HEC Breakthroughs. A knowledge at HEC Podcast. Hi, everyone, and welcome to HEC Breakthroughs, your monthly podcast by the Knowledge at HEC team. Breakthroughs brings you the best of the research coming out of our business school, as well as its impact on society at large. I'm the school's chief editor, Daniel Brown. Today we home in on a researcher who has been studying the influence of the Me Too movement on boardrooms of thousands of firms in the United States. Yang Ting Shi, better known as Crystal Shi, joined HEC Paris's accounting and management control department just last year. Hello, everybody. Um, my research focuses a lot on corporate governance issues. I have special interest in the ESG matters, especially on the S dimension. I'm also working a lot about the interdiscipline of accounting and labor or human capital issues. We're at a historic tipping point for women. In October 2017, the hashtag MeToo spread across the globe. What began as a Hollywood sexual assault scandal sparked a public reckoning around the world. But now, Me Too is igniting wider debates. Day is on the horizon! About how men should behave around women. We don't know what the rules are, and it turns out that there's way more of them than you thought. And about the battle for gender equality. First you had Me Too, and now you have Now What? It's been over five years since the hashtag MeToo began to draw global attention to the sexual abuse and harassment women have been victim of in the workplace for decades. But just what impact has this protest movement had on U.S. companies and their boards of directors? For almost six years, HEC assistant professor Crystal Scher has studied over 2,000 firms to analyze how MeToo has changed investors' and board members' views on their companies. So how did she go about it? Well, Scher and two fellow academics at New York's Stern School of Business identified 37 MeToo events in the year after the Harvey Weinstein scandal. They then looked for any abnormal market return based on the boardroom's gender structure and culture. As we'll find out, the results appear to reflect a quick change in capital markets participants' perceived benefits. They also saw evolutions in the costs of the company's gender-inclusive or exclusive cultures. We talked to Crystal Scher earlier this month on a day that was not chosen by coincidence. HEC Breakthroughs, a knowledge at HEC podcast. Well, happy International Women's Day. Uh, how is it going for you, Crystal? Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I'm very happy today. So both of my children congratulated me today. And uh, I also wish the, both my, my moms happy uh, International Women's Day. I feel like uh, we deserve it as we contributed a lot both to the family and to the world. It's appropriate, Crystal, that uh, we discuss uh, with you your research uh, on this symbolic day since you've been studying women and boards of directors in U.S. firms for coming on six years. What drew you to this field? Well, the first thing is that uh, I'm a woman, so I care more about the, the matters uh, about women in the business. When I started work uh, at NYU, we know um, both my advisors and I know that there are very few women, both in the C-suite and in the boardroom. 
Uh, and the natural question is why? Because in the workforce, women are not underrepresented. It's really like in the higher hierarchy, like at the glass ceiling in the top of the business world, that there are fewer women. So that really drew me into uh, this field, and then I'm glad to see that uh, over the past six years, things has become、uh, slightly different, and now more and more women executive started.、Um, Become the leaders in the business, and the more women directors、um, show up in the boardroom. So things has changed. Let's start by、uh, focusing on your latest、uh, research, Crystal Shaw, and、uh, this one is a paper that was published in the Review of Accounting Studies in July of 2022, one of the major、uh, publications in this field. It's called Investors' Response to the Me Too Movement. Does corporate culture matter? It was co-signed by Mary Billings and、uh, April Klein. You at the time were a PhD student, and you discussed it with、uh, one of your professors, who happened to be later your co-signatory, and and that is、uh, Mary Billings, on the impact it could have on company boards in terms of reputation and investment. Uh, and this was a rather original approach compared to other research at the、mm -hmm. time. Could you elaborate? Oh yeah. So we are not the first team to work on the impact or the consequence of having women directors on the boardroom, right? Other papers' approach have either focusing on what's the effect of adding women to the board, what's the consequence of mandating women to the boardroom. We take a slightly different approach. We really use the representation of women in the boardroom as a proxy for firm's culture. So as the the Me Too movement erupted, what will matter is whether the the company are inclusive to women, so that they have fewer scandals or similar、uh, sexual harassment eruptions. Well, for exclusive firms, like、uh, treat women as a second.、Uh, Like a second citizen in in the business, they are more likely to have scandals、uh, relating to sexual harassment, inequity, etc.、Uh, we think like、uh, the boardroom is really visible、uh, to outsiders,、uh, and、uh, so that investors can see which company, if they use this one as a like a sorting criteria, they can easily tell like which board. Is more exclusive. Which board is more inclusive?、Uh, and we also think like the boardroom matters, as several paper has shown. Like culture flows top down and bottom up. So the board representation of women are likely、uh, reflecting the overall culture of the firm. Also, they influence, right? They influence the the C suite. They influence the、uh, lower layer, even at the blue collar、uh, workers. Highly sensitive time, but for business leaders, sex harassment training alone won't do the trick. So, what should you do as a male CEO in the age of Me Too? Joining me are two men working to navigate those waters: President and CEO of the Greater Boston Chamber of Commerce, Jim Rooney. Jim, it's good to see you.、Mm -hmm. And President and CEO of Carbonite, Muhammad Ali. Muhammad, it's great to see you、Likewise. again too. Has the Me Too movement, even in the short period of time, changed corporate America, or simply rhetorically? Any changes yet? Well, I mean, I think we are、uh, seeing a, a lot of uh, discussion, um, uh, attention. Uh, so I, I wouldn't say things have changed in any sort of a permanent manner, but I think we have the opportunity to change. Are you doing、Whether、anything differently in the last was it two months now? Have you changed your 
ways in any fashion? I mean, behavior, or, or personally or organizationally, either way. Uh, we brought the whole staff together and talked about the issue and provided people an opportunity um, to have a conversation at that. The question is, what do we do about it going forward? So what have you done about it going forward, Muhammad? Well, first of all, we're talking about it. Uh, it's, a, it's a discussion that's happening in our company. But, you know, for me, people need to understand that this isn't just the right thing to do. There's real business sense to having a diverse workforce. What does that mean? Bottom line? Bottom line. So McKinsey did a study uh -huh. uh, in 2015 of 366 companies. What they showed was that a diverse management team and diverse workforce correlates to increased profitability. And, and if you just look at gender diversity, it's 15% more profitable. So it's the right thing to do and it's good for business. Uh, what we found is that uh, if the firms are inclusive, like uh, as measured by having at least three women on the boardroom, the abnormal market reaction accumulated over these 37 event days are very positive. So positive to about like 2.5% on average. We use a different method. But for exclusive firms, that the firms had never had any women directors in five-year window between 2012 and 2016, their accumulated abnormal market reaction was as high as 3% negative. So meaning that over these 37 events, their market value disappeared by 3%, which is significant. If you com compare them, the difference can be as high as uh, 6%. Could you go into a bit of detail about the corporate culture? Because uh, you also find differences or study the differences between the exclusive and inclusive firms in terms of their corporate culture. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I, I think it will be really aggressive trying to define corporate culture. Uh, I would just talk about my uh, beliefs or uh, understanding without using uh, academic terms. I think culture really reflects what people take as norms. Like for companies that uh, are more inclusive to women, um, people will think uh, sexual harassment is not tolerable, is not a norm, and that needs to be handled. For exclusive firms, while women are constantly treated as a second-tier citizen in a company, people will see that as more acceptable. They will not see the urge of fixing this type of problems. So uh, we used our sample, we tested like uh, if we use board gender representation as a proxy for inclusiveness versus the exclusiveness uh, in culture, we do find that the inclusive firms are more inclusive. A lot of dimensions, for instance, they are more likely to have women in the C-suite. They also have better social performance as evaluated by alternative uh, ESG rating agencies. I will give one example of exclusive firm, for instance, CBS. CBS is not isn't famous for talk, like harassing their uh, women workers, not only the CEO, former CEO, but also a couple of senior executives that have been accused of harassing employees in the workplace. So for these firms, before Me Too movement, right, like even though the culture was there, like people know it exists. Even the women workers who choose to work there maybe know that there are certain times they will be taken advantage of. But investors doesn't seem to think it's a big problem until the Me Too erupted. Like the investors changed their beliefs. Like now it's less tolerable. Uh, the negative consequence, uh, both in the marketplace, like on the consumer's side, 
and also from the regulators side are going to be more negative, more detrimental. Um, so investors actually would be more likely to feel anger when the company keeps keeping less movies as the CEO. And indeed, after Les Movies was uh, accused of sexual harassment, uh, finally kicked out of the CEO position, the shareholders initiated a, sh a class action lawsuit on the base that uh, as the Me Too movement increased the risk that the CEO who has bad behaviors, misconduct, are more likely to be kicked out. The company failed to disclose such risk. So this is like an example of like how one company can historically tolerate bad behaviors, but then become intolerable for the, like after the Me Too movement erupted. It is perhaps the biggest and most stunning fall linked to the Me Too movement so far. Fallout for the Me Too movement. Les Moonves, the longtime chair of CBS, stepped down overnight. More women came forward to accuse him of sexual misconduct. The CEO of CBS, Les Moonves, resigning after new, detailed, and graphic allegations of sexual assault and misconduct from at least 12 women going back more than 30 years. The change provoked by Me Too was quite dramatic in terms of the number of firms that had uh, zero women uh, in the board of directors. Can you give us the statistics? I think it fell by five, six times. Oh, yeah. So the time I, we looked is uh, between 2012 and 2016, right? Like uh, we found in our sample out of 2,000 firms, uh, slightly more than 2,000 firms, uh, there are over 467 firms, like 467 firms that, that had absolutely no women in the boardroom over a five-year window. And now, at least in the SP 1500 firms, uh, there's no firm that uh, had no women at all uh, in the boardroom. So that has dropped significantly. And it's a consequence of both the institutional investors, the firms themselves, and also the regulators pushing more women to the boardroom. Crystal Sher, how, how easy was it to test uh, if uh, the, the Me Too movement has changed investors' belief on benefits of an inclusive culture? What challenges did you face? Oh, yeah, that, that, that is a great question. It, is, it was actually the biggest challenge uh, for our identification. So this is a terminology um, academics used. So basically, we want to build a direct link between the documented market different reactions and the Me Too movement, because we do know that uh, more inclusive firms are larger, they're better firms. Like our referees constantly challenge us. How do you know it's not the other factors that are driving these abnormal returns? So I, I think our, like eventually we solve this problem by drawing the pseudo events. So out of the nine months, other than these 37 Me Too events, we randomly drew another 37 events. And we did everything that we did with the Me Too events. And then uh, we compare whether there is any systematic difference in the abnormal market reactions, and we find nothing. Meaning that even if there might be some systematic difference between uh, inclusive firms and the exclusive firms, the market do not react differently to them on non-Me Too days, meaning that the documented differences are likely to be driven by Me Too events. HEC Breakthroughs 
From your research conclusions, one can infer that inclusive policies indicate a positive overall ethical approach towards women in the labor force. Could you elaborate? Oh, yeah. I, I want to clarify that uh, this conclusion is not to say that uh, forcing women to the board will change things. What we are inferring is still based on um, like organically developed corporate culture. Right. As I mentioned earlier, the history we looked is before the Me Too movement erupted. This was be between 2012 and 2016. So during this period, very rare business forces will push firms to have women to the board. So it is really very natural. Um, the firms per se are inclusive. They're inclusive at all levels, the C-suite, the rank and file workers, and the boardroom. For them, we find that these firms are more ethical in general, as reflected by higher ESG scores, like evaluated by different agencies. We cannot generalize our conclusion to any new changes. Like nowadays, a lot of for business forces, such as the stakeholders, influential institutional investors, Regulators, they are trying to push more women to the boardroom. Or legislative bodies like California. Yeah, yeah, exactly. California SB 826, th that law uh, mandates that firms need to have at least uh, one woman by the end of 19 and at least three by the end of 21, right? Which is last mm -hmm. year already, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, so, so for those, um, I think really the academic research needs to look at the consequence, but it's beyond the scope of our paper. This is something we, we're interested in testing, but uh, because of COVID, it's uh, kind of too confounding. Also, the consequences, now it's too early to tell what's the consequence. So, I don't want to shock anyone, I really don't, but the world is still run by men. And I'm just not sure it's going that well. Facebook COO Sheryl Sandberg is a leading supporter of Me Too. Even she is worried that some of the reverberations could prove counterproductive. I think Me Too is an opportunity. It's an opportunity to get rid of behavior that never should have happened in the first place. But we want to make sure this doesn't have negative consequences. Sandberg is a prominent advocate for gender equality in business and the founder of the Women's Empowerment Foundation, Lean In. In early 2018, a survey conducted by Lean In found that Me Too has had an adverse effect on gender relations. US senior managers who are male are 3.5 times more likely to hesitate to have a dinner with a female junior colleague and almost half of male managers are nervous about having a one-on-one -on -one meeting with a junior woman. Crystal Schur, you published this paper 18 months ago. Uh, what kind of reaction have you had uh, to it? Yeah, so although this paper has only been published for 18 months, uh, we, uh, we've been presenting it uh, since pretty much 2019. No matter where we presented it, uh, both by me and my co-authors, we got very warm feedback about our findings. They acknowledge that uh, this critical mass is important. In the paper that we didn't mention is that we also tested if firms only have one or two women directors in the boardroom, we find they are more likely to be tokens, that they do not have real impact. So each time we present the paper, people tend to find, especially the academic world, tend to find that uh, results interesting. Uh, 
as the the implication to business and the regulators is not really the quantity that matters, it's the quality that matters, right? Like、uh, they they need to sit in the boardroom, but they also need to act as a director. The other directors needs to give them the capacity to act as a director and influence the firm. So they need to be heard. They need to be able to to make decisions. It is perhaps the biggest and most stunning fall linked to the Me Too movement so far. Fallout from the Me Too movement. Les Moonves, the longtime chair of CBS, stepped down overnight. More women came forward to accuse him of sexual misconduct. The CEO of CBS, Les Moonves, resigning after new, detailed, and graphic allegations of sexual assault and misconduct from at least 12 women going back more than 30 years. Now, Crystal Sher, revelations continue to come out. There was a book recently by New. New York Times reporters Rachel Abrams and James Stewart on the Redstone Media Empire, which includes the CBS、um, network, which you mentioned,、mm-hmm. and its CEO、um, Les Moonves, who was forced to leave after certain revelations、uh, about his、um, misconduct.、Mm-hmm. How much more would you say? Is there to explore in terms of boardroom gender politics that has yet to be really explored? I would say that overall, our although the setting we use is gender,、uh, that's because of the nature of the Me Too movement、uh, focus on gender. I think there are other social or culture things that matter, and、uh, that's our key message that the firms needs to develop a healthy and respectful firm culture that will help the firms to shield the risk of all kinds of social movements. That includes the racial diversity, includes the environmental impacts, etc. So it's not just the gender, but also our other types of social risks. How would you compare these realities in terms of corporate culture at the boardroom level with what we see in Europe or in the Far East or other parts of the world? I think that's a very interesting question, and actually, I think it's it could be developed into an important research question. To my knowledge, nobody has、uh, looked at the impact of the Me Too movement because the impact is international. So I think it would be interesting to look at the research question in a global setting.、Uh, to my knowledge, no paper has examined. I think that can be maybe the next project. <laughs> I think, in terms of gender equality in the workplace, Europeans lead the American because I think since 2009,、uh, several countries like Norway has legalized this、uh, mandated quota of women in the boardroom. There were some initial studies and found negative consequence.、Um, for instance, Ahern and Dima in 2012 in QJE, they find like forcing women to the boardroom actually leads to negative business consequences, and some firms actually choose to go delisted just to not abide by such regulation. But that's ten years ago. I think a more recent、uh, paper needs to revisit the setting. Sweden takes gender equality very seriously. It is not a tough ask to find women in positions of power. Meet Susanna Stoll, the director of operations of Nordic Choice Hotel. It is one of the largest hotel chains here, employing well over 13,000 people. I live in a country which is perhaps the most equal country in the world.、Mm. Uh, according to EU, we also got the 
best equality index now in Sweden. Mm. And also the rest of the Scandinavia is very equal. And I work in a company where we have more female leaders than male leaders. Women should believe that they can achieve things as much as men. Now, you have other research on women uh, directors and representation on the boards. For example, uh, you presented in 2020 at this very prestigious uh, AAA annual conference a paper where you conclude that uh, inclusive corporate cultures actually allow companies to have more favorable loan prices. Could you elaborate? Oh, yeah. Uh, so this is a working paper that I've been working on. So what I find is that uh, as the board has more women directors, the firm's uh, risk, like operating risk, uh, has decreased. Um, that's because um, women are more conservative in choosing projects. But that's not at no cost. On one way, we see, well, these firms have more favorable loan terms. But on the other hand, they also have, on average, lower average ROA because they are uh, like a return on assets because they are choosing the more conservative projects. They could choose riskier projects like their male peers do. I, th I think this is more like the gender or skill bias or a characteristic of directors. It's slightly different from the culture in the MeToo paper that we are trying to use uh, as a proxy. Finally, Crystal, you have other uh, research projects at the moment. I know, for example, that you're quite interested in uh, blue-collar workers mm -hmm. in these American firms. Could you describe these current research areas you're exploring? Yeah. So this paper, we look, look at how uh, like a frustrating uh, internal control system uh, leads to the impact of a frustrating internal control process on workers. Like we find workers generally become less satisfied with their job, especially when they have a lower workplace power. For instance, their education level is uh, below college. So that the theory is that they are less resourceful in the organization. They are not likely to be at the center of the network. When there are difficulties in dealing with their, for instance, equipment breakdown, scheduling disturbs, they are less likely to handle this kind of a situation. And, and thus, they become more dissatisfied. And we find similar results when the firms have more racial minorities and also more women. So it's very consistent with the human capital literature regarding the workplace power. Thank you very much, Crystal Shu. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me today. HEC Breakthroughs, a knowledge at HEC podcast. HEC Assistant Professor Crystal Shu letting us peek into her research in progress. Once again, it promises to provide us with highly original conclusions on various challenges in the workplace. And finally, I wanted to tell you that the gender-based issues Crystal discussed with us were reflected in a survey by the Responsible Investor Review on Women in Finance. It was published on the same International Women's Day as our exchange. The editors wanted to better understand why female representation in investment firms remains so low. The results make for sobering reading, as you can find out by going to the link on our website article featuring this Breakthroughs podcast. Well, that's it for this month. If you have any comments or questions, feel free to drop them off at browned at hec.fr. That's browned in one word at hec.fr. 
And if you want to hear more of our earlier podcasts, well, you can find them on the Knowledge at HEC podcast page. Till next time round, goodbye. Thank you.